we get out, everybody's leaking whatever they were drinking. We were just, <laughs> just <laughs> leaking every fuming. Hey everybody, what's up? Trey Wingo here. Welcome into another episode of Half Forgotten History. This week's guest is a former running back in the NFL who could make a really good claim to belong in the Hall of Fame. He racked up over 11,000 rushing yards, but still hasn't heard the call or gotten the gold jacket. That's one of the many things we'll discuss with former Jacksonville Jags running back Fred Taylor, who starred at Florida and then stayed in-state and played for the Jags when the Jags were good, like they might be again this season. Please now enjoy this Half Forgotten History episode with Jacksonville Jaguars running back Fred Taylor. Okay, so when I approached you about doing the show, I talked to Ryan, because Ryan's my boy, and I said, give me some stuff about Fred that I don't know. And the one thing he said to me was, he's the coolest cat I've ever met. So why would he tell me that? <laughs> That's crazy, man. I know um, there were times where I'm sure he hated my guts. But that was only football specifically related to that. I don't know. You know, I'm just chill, man. I don't, I don't get too high. I don't get too low. And I think that's costed me a bit of, uh, or it had costed me a bit of notoriety and um, attention when I played. You know, I was never a guy to, to uh, cause any ruckus or create a media storm or, or shit show or whatever it is. Uh, I'm just laid back. I'm just me. And uh, I treat people like people. I just feel that I was blessed to be able to play ball at a high level. And really, that's it. I, I just play football. I'm just a human. I'm just a person. All right, so before we get into the football stuff, because it is fascinating, there's a lot of stuff to get into. How did you connect with Ryan and the crazy man, Channing, for the pivot that you guys do now? Like, how did this all come together? Well, we, um, we used to do a pre we did a previous podcast throughout the pandemic with uh, Brandon Marshall, Chad Ochocinco, uh, myself, Channing. And uh, we didn't have the business button up over there. And a few things went south. So we decided to pivot. And we did our own thing. And uh, Ryan, at one moment, I believe it was the Dwayne Wade episode over there. He was a uh, fill-in host for, I believe it was Chad Ocho. And uh, knowing how great Ryan is on ESPN, how you know, how real he is and how authentic he is uh, just in life in general. He was the first name that popped up. We didn't have a, a plan B or a second option. Yeah. We said we're going to do it with Ryan or we're just going to do it, you know, with ourselves and figure it out as we go. But Ryan was the perfect option. Uh, and as you can see, as everyone else sees, he makes the show. He, I mean, he's just, he's just amazing, man. And it's a blessing for Channing and myself to have been able to land him because it really makes yeah. the show, you know, A1. Well, listen, before we get into the show, you know, that's all me, right? Like Ryan will tell you, I, I made his television career. So like, this is my wow. gift to you and to Channing. So you're welcome. <laughs> hey man, I appreciate you a thousand percent. I do appreciate you. <laughs> At some point you got to get him to tell the story and he'll tell you the stories. Right. But so the pivot is interesting, right? Because you guys have no boundaries, you guys go anywhere. What was the what was the idea behind? I mean, like I do a football show. Like I like football and golf. This is what I do. It's what I want. You guys bring in Caitlyn Jenner actors. I mean, you go. You cast a wide net on the pivot. Correct. I mean, that's what it is. You know, we just want to paint pictures and tell stories, 
or allow the guests an opportunity to tell their story. Um, you know, it's not a black show. It's not a white show. It's the show. You know, it's information, it's content, it's education, it's transparency. Um, and, and, and for the most part, we do it all without a booking agent. Uh, and I think that's why we're able to sort of bounce around and have a, a huge variety of guests. You know, we use our network. We use your network. You know, we use whomever's network to, 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 to get people on that, one, are willing to come on, that their schedule marries up with our schedule because we're all over the place. I mean, we we say, all right, we're, we're not working today. What's your schedule, Ryan? What's your schedule, Channing? You know, we have to find out what the camera crew is doing, what our producer, Alicia Zubakowski, what she's doing. And then we, we figure it out, set our dates, and then we go for it. You know, and then we, we get there knowing that we have an opportunity to tell, allow the guests to tell the story that they can't necessarily or they don't necessarily tell on a network. It, it, it just feels like a locker room. It's just great conversations. Yeah. The Taylor Lewan story, that was interesting. Taylor. <laughs> so Taylor is great. Um, Will Compton, his co-host, uh, just busting with the boys, right? I think that was about a three-hour sit-down. And those guys are amazing. Yeah. Ryan, your boy Ryan, he was in a different element. I don't know if you've seen it, <laughs> but I don't know how many happy dads he had that day, but he was a happy yeah. dad. He was just smiling <laughs> and grinning and having to leave the bus to go take a piss. It was crazy. It was crazy. Right. Well, listen, absolutely check out The Pivot. It's hilariously entertaining, and you guys will enjoy it. And Channing Crowder, like, he's he's certifiable nuts, right? He's crazy. He is certified nuts, uh, a thousand percent himself. Doesn't back down for anyone, much like he did when he played, just as black and white as you can. He's the Kanye of podcasts. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> you know what that makes sadly that makes all the sense in the world like he is yeah. he is the he is the ye of podcast absolutely unbelievable that right i was not expecting that today but i'm glad i got that yeah maybe a sprinkle of Dave Chappelle, but he is definitely kanye yeah. he doesn't care <laughs> yeah, he, no he he has zero of you know what's left to give and and it shows right. in every episode so so let's get into what you did before you're a podcast king and that is obviously a hell of a football player. When did you know, because you, you're looking at your resume and looking at your high school and you were you know, one of the greatest high school players in the, in the history of the state of Florida, which produces a few football players. Yeah. How early did you know, Hey, I'm going to be good at this. Trey, if I, I, I don't, I, I don't know, man. Cause I was just, I was just running around having fun competing. You know, I didn't look yeah. at the NFL, you know, they actually, um, when did, I had a dream to make the NFL, or I did this or that. I never had that dream. I don't know what these guys really? are talking about. I just never had that vision. I never had a dream to be in the NFL. Uh, I was just going out there having fun with guys in the backyard. And, um, you know, I think, well, God does everything. So he just pushed me in that direction. And uh, I just got better than everybody. All of my childhood friends. My game just elevated out of nowhere because I was the worst at one point, but I didn't want to be the worst. I couldn't catch. Uh, I was the slowest in the neighborhood. I didn't want to be that. So I went off on my own. I started training them by myself, doing things. How old? How old were uh, you? How old were you when this was going on? How old were you? Not nine. Nine years old. Wow. It was around 1985 
I remember watching, um, and it found me, the Chicago Bears, Walter Payton, that Super Bowl oh, yeah. run, 85 Bears. And uh, mm-hmm. it found me, and uh, I just fell in love with, you know, how sweetness would run. And I go out there and I move. I walk down the sidewalk in Bell Glade. So there will be cracks in the sidewalk and, like, gum droppings that left a black mark on the on the sidewalk. And I would run, and I would kind of juke those marks and those cracks. And then that sort of evolved to uh, making people miss and dodging things. And then going home, we had we lived on the second, second story, and I would run the stairs every single day going home, every day leaving, just repeatedly every single day. And uh, that was my version of a quick foot ladder and running up the hill, which is what uh, Sweetness did all the time. And then that just sort of physically developed me. I got bigger, stronger, faster than everybody in my neighborhood. One of the fastest guys in my hometown back in Belle Glade. And I just turned into a a pretty good player. And and the rest is history. But I never knew how good I was. Even sometimes in the NFL, I never knew how good I was. Around year four or five, after the injuries let up, I really got that confidence. And I told myself, man, they fear you. Like the D coordinators – they fear you. Those players fear you. You know, now you got to play that way. And that's when I realized that I was one of the best in the world at what I would do, at what I could do. And uh, I never backed down since then. It took a while to figure it out. Yeah, well, it always does. I mean, and, and what a couple of things that you just said are find really interesting. We, we just taped with Megatron, Calvin Johnson, not too long ago. And he told me his high school nickname as a wide receiver was Butterfingers. Like, yeah, he couldn't catch. So when I hear you say you were the slowest guy in the neighborhood and I hear uh, Calvin Johnson say, yeah, I was my nickname was Butterfingers in high school. It just shows that it's it's really you can have all the talent in the world, but it's about putting in the work. You, you got to put in the work a thousand percent. You got to put that work in. I mean, I got I have guys that have made it to the NFL, guys that, that I grew up with that can vouch for me and they can validate that statement about me not being able to catch about, you know, me being the slowest guy. I got a quick story, Trey. Um, my son, Kelvin Taylor went to university of Florida. Um, same school I went to wore same number Jersey. Um, the, the field that I played in the pop Warner championship, we lost 31 to 13. I dropped four potential touchdowns that day. I was a tight end at the time and a defensive tackle. So I was, Modern day Aaron Donald back then, but that's another story. Um, when I would go, when I would go and watch my son play, they have the exact same scoreboard that they had when I was a child playing Pop Warner there. And the only thing when I would see him play, I would always glance at that scoreboard and I would see thirty-one to thirteen, that ass whooping we got because I didn't catch the ball, and I could never live that down any day of my life. But um. Yeah, man, I, was, I wasn't very good. I was a crybaby. I was a soft child, and I just got stronger, faster. I put in the work, and I just got better. I earned a scholarship, told my grandmother I'd buy her home, didn't know how, but I made a promise that I would. Got a few dollars, and that's what I did. Yeah. I, I love stories like that because everybody has that thing that motivates them, right? We all know Tom Brady, the 190 pick, all that kind of stuff, but everybody has something, like your teammate – for a couple of years, Maurice Jones-Drew chose number 32 because 32 teams passed him over in the first round. That was his motivation, and your motivation was that scoreboard where you dropped four touchdowns. Yeah, that was definitely my motivation, along with wanting to be the best. Yeah. 
didn't know that I was, but really just competing, you know, knowing that, you know, if I run a track meet, I don't want this guy to beat me. Uh, if we run the 40, I want to have the fastest time on the field. Uh, if we run gassers after practice, I want to come in first every time. And just that mindset, that competitive drive, you know, it pushes guys to greatness when they don't even think they're going to be the best in the world at whatever they're doing. But it, it's, it always comes back to the work. And uh, you, you can't run from it. Coach Belichick would always say there's no magic pill, no magic potion. You got to put the work in each and every day. And that's what I did as a child. And God rewarded me by allowing me to go ninth pick overall to the Jags. Yeah. And when you were a Jag, it was a thing. Like people look at Jacksonville now. And I, I was talking about this with Tony Baselli, And they're like, oh, the Jags, what a bunch of losers, you know. You guys were good. Like the Jaguars were really good for a lot of years. And it's a shame to see what that franchise has sort of become. Yeah, it's a shame. Um, you know, they're working at it. Don't know how long it's going to take. Much like I was saying on the radio show earlier, I'm a Jaguar lifer. Yeah. You know, I'm always optimistic each and the start at each, each and every season. I'm rooting for Coach Peterson. I'm really rooting for Trevor Lawrence. Just an amazing kid. Yep. I want to see him do well and break every – record that he can starting with the franchise and, and from there, whatever he could do. Uh, but winning is key. You know, uh, Coach Coughlin, was, he's an amazing person uh, and a great coach. And uh, we took it for granted in Jacksonville. I remember the city, uh, the, the fans, the local fans, local media, they started this fire Tom Coughlin thing, saying he's too hard on the players. You know, they can't survive the fourth quarter because they practice too hard. We need a prayer-friendly coach. And then you insert Coach Del Rio, uh, who who had some pretty decent seasons there, yeah. playoff runs here and there. Uh, so Jack wasn't a bad coach. In my eyes, he just wasn't Coach Coughlin from a disciplinarian, uh, elevating you from a child to a man standpoint. Uh, but we were good. We had some really good players, Jimmy Keenan, Mark, Tony, on the defensive side, Kevin Hardy, Tony Brackens. Just a ton of great players, man. Uh, but we missed it. We, we missed our opportunity in 99, losing to the Titans. I hate the Titans uh, in 99. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out and we'll get better, you know, as we keep going. Well, let's, let's listen, uh, before we take our first break, let's talk about that 99 season. You guys were undefeated except for Tennessee. Like, that that it's it's one of the craziest seasons in the history of the NFL. You guys won the division despite losing both games to the Tennessee Titans. You destroy uh, Dan Marino in his final playoff game, sixty-two to seven, I think was the final score. You got AFC yeah. Championship game at home, and in comes Tennessee, and they beat you for a third time. How does that happen? How do you beat every other team in the league and you can't get by that one team? I uh, I absolutely hate talking about this. <laughs> uh, it's so long ago, and uh, you know every AFC championship that I watch, I get pissed off knowing that it should have been us versus the Rams yeah. in Atlanta for the Super Bowl. The, we I think we matched up better, as much speed, just across the board. It's just that that one team had our number. So I go back with – I try not to have regrets or what-ifs. 
But that's the one what if, though. Um, and I don't have a lot, but that's the one what if. Um, they just had our number. You know, some teams, when you look at game planning and scheming, that sort of stuff, Jeff Fisher could rattle Coach Coughlin. And he would look over to our sidelines and do a little, you know, peek over and do that smirk. And he would get under Coach Coughlin's skin. And uh, that Coach Coughlin wanted to win those games because he knew we were more talented. He knew he was a better coach. Just couldn't figure it out. For some reason, we couldn't comprehend that matchup. And Tennessee, deservingly so, they won it. You know, that's that's what it comes down to. They won their matchup. They beat us three times in a row. Uh, Buffalo, I'm kind of pissed at Buffalo, too, in the refs, <laughs> in the Music City Miracle. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think we would have had an easier route to, uh, to, to, to Atlanta. But uh, the Titans, they just had our number then. And even now, what they're doing with the Jags, it reminds me a lot of, you know, how it was throughout my career, where the Titans have been a better franchise versus the Jaguars. All right. Um, everyone says, oh, you know, you never get over it. You never get past it. You always remember the losses. But in listening to you, and again, as Ryan describing you as the coolest guy you know, this still haunts you, doesn't it? It does. It, it, it really does. And um, what also haunts me, Trey, is Super Bowl. Yeah. When the Super Bowl is here, you know, I don't get as excited as everybody else to watch it. You know, because I'm the type of player where I look around, you know, I look at other guys that have been great in the NFL. And um, I just never got that opportunity. Well, I had an opportunity, but to play in the actual game, that opportunity. So I don't get excited when the Super Bowl is here. It's it's a bit depressing. So I don't necessarily participate in all of the different Super Bowl, you know, the festivities and all of that stuff. I can watch the game and just really dissect the game. Yeah. But for what it's worth, um, the post-game ceremony, I turn all of that crap off. Yeah. <laughs> I've been doing it for 20-plus years now. Um, I don't know, man. It's just – I don't know. It's just one of those things. I felt that as hard as I worked in my – you know, childhood coming up in my pro career, even despite the injuries, I kept working, uh, played 13 years, and, and I missed it. Even my two years in New England. Yeah. The year before I got there, they won the Super Bowl. The year after I leave there, they go to the Super Bowl. As a matter of fact, the first five years after I left there, I think they went to three. Yep. It makes you realize timing is everything. Um, but it pissed me off a lot. I was happy for those guys. Yeah. But just for myself personally – uh, just not a great feeling when that time rolls around. All right, so we'll move on from that. Why don't we take our first break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the rest of Fred Taylor's career and some of the things he had to overcome while he was putting up record-setting numbers in Jacksonville. Stay with us on Half Forgotten History. We're coming right back. Time for our Mercedes-Benz trivia question. Fred Taylor is the all-time leading rusher in Jacksonville Jaguars history with 11,695 yards. But we want to know how many other teams' leading rushers have a higher rushing total than Taylor's with the Jags. We'll give you the answer after the break. You know, you open up a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter and you're opening more than doors. You're unlocking potential to do your own thing, be your own boss, and live out your own dreams. With 16 body types, your choice of a gas or diesel engine, and thousands of ways to customize, a Sprinter van is capable and versatile enough to help you drive your ambitions as far as you want to take them. So go ahead, unlock your potential inside a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter. All right, everybody, I want to tell you about an app I use quite frequently, and it's Zelle. Look, whenever you're out on the golf course, you're playing with your buddies, 
the round is over. You've either won or you've lost, and it's time to either collect your rewards or give away your punishment. Using the Zelle app is so simple and easy. You don't have to reach into your wallet, look for a 20 or a five and make sure you have the right bills. You open up the Zelle app and you either tell people, I kicked your butt today, give me my rewards for kicking your butt, or you can quickly and less humiliatingly just send them the money and you don't have to dwell on it. Either way, whether you win that round of golf or you lose, Zelle makes the transition of the funds so much easier and simpler and everybody is a little happier. All right, back with Fred Taylor here in Half Forgotten History. So in our first, before our first break there, we got into a bunch of stuff and you mentioned the injuries and that was a thing for you for the first few years. And they even gave you the nickname Fragile Fred, which I think people now understand maybe a little bit better the physical beating that players go through. I think it's more sort of understood, but back then, man, Fans could be pretty relentless if they thought you were injury prone or soft. How hard was that to deal right. with? You know, um, I think it was more frustrating because I felt that I let the team and my teammates down. I didn't care what the fans thought in terms of me being soft or injury prone. You know, I only cared about the fans when we didn't win, when I was out there and we didn't win because they were paying their hard earned money to come be entertained and root on their cheer on their their team. And when we couldn't get that W, I, I was upset for them and I felt bad for them. When it came to my injuries, I was, you know, I, I'm a player, man. I want to be out there. You know, I want to be out there, you know, with an opportunity to go 50, 60, 70 versus a, a Ray Lewis or a, or a Derek Brooks or a John Lynch or whomever. You know, I wanted to be there. So those were the times that the injuries were more frustrating. Uh, there were there was a stretch when I figured it out. I think it was about four years. I missed like one game over over four years. Yep. And uh, I was like, okay, I got this thing down pat. And um, you know, just trying to grow up, mature, and do the net the necessary things to stay there or be there for the guys. And um, I don't know. Just the early in my career, I just you know I partied a little bit more than I should have. I thought I could just wake up and go run for three. Um, I think a bit of how how the game was then. I always laugh and say, if I can play under this current CBA, yeah. I'll play 15, 18 years. Yeah. Like these guys, like along with the science that's behind it, the off-season regiments, the training, uh, the nutrition aspect of it all. These guys, the, the training camp, the lack of contact, there's just so much stuff that should allow these guys to have longer uh, illustrious careers. Uh, but when we came around two days in Florida, uh, yeah. full pad practices, both days, coach Coffin did not screw around and a bit wear and tear would catch up on you. Cause I didn't know what rest was then, yeah. but that's that. And you know, neither here nor there. I still churned out 13 amazing years at the end of the day. Um, missed a few, missed some games, but you know, that's a part of history. I'm happy that I was able to finish in the top. When I retired, I was number 15th all time yeah. in career rushing yards in the history of the game, over a thousand backs or whatever. So I felt good about that in spite of missing those games. Well, it's interesting too, because there's a couple of points that you brought up. People look at the game now and they see all these numbers and all the stuff that's happening. And I don't think sometimes they fully understand how much different, even from 10 years ago, just in the last decade, 
how much the game has changed in terms of what you can do, what you can't do, and the where. Like, everybody killed the, the NFL Players Association when that CBA was signed in 2011, when they, and they just re-upped it a couple of years ago. But that CBA allowed players' careers to be longer because of the things you said. We're not having two-a-days anymore. We're not having all these padded practices where you're hitting people. And sometimes people will say, well, it leads to sloppier play, but it leads to playing longer. And at the end of the day, if you're the NFLPA, you're trying to make everybody's career be as long as possible. Like That's the stated goal. And it is very different now right. than it was in the early 2000s. Yeah, it's, it's, it's way different. And again, just looking at uh, a, a, a few things. The CBA starts in 2011. Um, the the, the, the non-padded practices, um, the time on the field spent. Uh, and then you look at the rules changes, <clears throat> not hitting the defenseless receivers. Uh, then you have, you can't hit the quarterback. You got to hit them in a certain window. The Tom Brady rule, no, no rolling up on the quarterbacks. No hitting them high in the head. All of those things, uh, not jamming the receivers at the line of scrimmage, free releases. This thing, I believe, was a was genius. It was part of a maybe a future business model plan that the NFL had that would allow for greater scoring, which would allow for... Um, a greater fan experience Correct. overall. Yeah. Uh, even from the television, you know, the, 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 the sponsorships and the TV deals, we want to watch exciting things. Yeah. You know, we want you to be glued to your television because the way we played back in the day, methodically, we would run the ball 30, 40 times. You can go, actually go to your fridge, get a beer, come back, and they still be running the ball yeah. or trying to. In today's game, they striking quick, yep. 40 points, 50 points. Those are those were weren't a thing back in the day. I mean, unless you beat the Dolphins sixty-three-seven, <laughs> that's another story. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the rule changes have been great for the game. You know, even though they say, "Well, the game is like WWE now; it's not real football. We want to see knockouts." I, I get it, but it'll evolve. Yeah. It's evolved into what it is. Uh, again, it allows for the guys to uh, have not necessarily less injuries because they have had a lot of injuries out there, but I think that's usually earlier in the season, not towards the end of the year. Um, but I think it ma it makes for a better ticket sell with the way the game is now with the CBA and the rule changes. I want to talk about one game in particular, and I'm pretty sure you have an idea of what it is. December 10th, 2006, you guys host the Indianapolis Colts, who, by the way, went on to win the Super Bowl that year in one of the weirdest things ever. But the only thing that stopped the Jaguars in that 44-17 win was the back of the end zone. Like, you guys ran for 375 yards in that game. And I think the first carry for you was a 76-yarder that probably should have been a touchdown. I agree with you. Certainly should have been a touchdown. I just got to switch the ball to my right arm, stiffen with the left, and I score 96-yarder. Yeah, it should have been about a 96-yarder. But I said to myself on the first play, it was a zone left. I cut back right. I said I would do that based on how the safety leverage would be. Got the perfect look, made the cut, made a guy miss, and should have bumped my head on the goalpost like you just mentioned. Um, and I think that the coach should have sent our entire offensive line along with the running backs, maybe even our coaching staff, a ring or two from that Super Bowl because they went and patched up their run defense yeah. uh, because everybody tried to run the ball versus them in the playoffs, but they played well and they did enough to, to win the Super Bowl that year. But uh, the same thing 
I go back to the same statement we made a, a little earlier versus the Titans. Certain teams have your number in, in certain matchups. We can run the ball on the Colts all day, especially to try to keep Peyton off the field. Uh, didn't always win them, but we beat the Colts, you know, fairly. We, we split a lot with them. You know, we weren't nowhere near the better team, but we were that one team that can upset them because we knew that we can effectively run the ball versus them. And that that's a game for the record books, you know, especially in the Jaguar record books and the Colts record books, as well as the NFL. Just an amazing day. Um, yeah, big memory, huge memory. Um, did you guys know – I mean, because you, you ran pretty well in the in the first game. I think you guys ran for 191 yards in the, in the game you lost up at Indy. Um, how confident were you guys – when that game started, that what you want to do, you were going to be able to do whatever you want. Always very confident, extremely confident. Uh, even the week leading up to it, we always knew the Colts were the team to beat. The Colts, the, the Pats. Yeah. But in our division, it was the Colts. And uh, we, we, if we were going to do anything, it would start with beating them and letting the, the, the teams around the NFL know that we're not a bad team. We're going to physically, we're going to come in there and we're going to fight you, you know, for 60 minutes. Uh, so our confidence was always high versus the coach. We knew we can run the ball well. We weren't as good in the passing game, but Dave was consistent. You know, Dave could run the ball. He allowed, with his mobility and uh, uh, physical gifts, you know, he made our running game better because he can make the backside defensive end have to stay at home because his bootleg threat, all that stuff, uh, when you draw up the X's and O's, uh, but Maurice, myself, uh, Greg Jones, uh, our running back coach, Coach Kennedy Pola, just an amazing person himself. Um, we we wanted to be the leaders of that offense. We knew it would start with us, and uh, we took pride in it. Was that, from uh, just a competitive standpoint, the easiest game you played in your professional career? I mean, 375 yards on the ground. It's that was just that's an ass whooping of historic proportion. Uh, it is. It certainly is. I wouldn't. Um, I've, I've I've had some better days. I've I've had some games where that felt easier because I came out healthy. I tweaked my hammy that day. You know uh, that game. I think I had nine carries, a buck thirty something, as you mentioned. Uh, still, I sh I wish I should have. I should have had two hundred. Mojo should have probably had two hundred. You know, we let the backups get in, and they got a piece of it too. Uh, but certainly a, um, a fun game. I, I don't know if I can call it the easiest, but a fun game, a memorable game. Um, it reminds me, too, of uh, a game earlier in my career against the Steelers when I set the Three Rivers Stadium record that will never be broken because the stadium no longer exists. Um, that's, the, <laughs> that's the only game in my career, Trey, that I have a single regret for. Not even the... The fact that we didn't make the Super Bowl, I don't regret that because that wasn't on me. What I did have control of was that game against the Steelers up in Three Rivers, uh, maybe 2003, I think, or something like that. Two or three, yeah, something like that. No, it was 2000. I'm sorry, it was the year 2000. Yeah. In Three Rivers Stadium, I go for 234, and I missed, I don't know, 10 minutes or so in the fourth quarter because I was dehydrated. The week, lead, the few days leading up to it, myself, a few guys went down to Orlando to party. We had to be back Saturday morning 
before team meeting at 8 o'clock. I think we rolled back to Jacksonville in a limo. We pull up at the stadium around 7.30. We get out. Everybody's leaking whatever they were drinking. We were just <laughs> we were just <laughs> leaking everything, fuming. We get in. We fly to Pittsburgh. Thank God it was a Sunday night game because the next day we were all hungover doing IVs. That didn't work. We get out there and uh, start the game off. I'm cutting left and right, just chunk, chunks. 20, 10, 8, 7, 20, 30. The, yeah. bigger, the bigger picture I'm getting up here is you ran for 234 yards hungover. I cramped up. Okay. Yeah, hung but you ran for 234. You ran for 234 hungover. Ask my teammates. It was crazy. I cramped up. I couldn't finish the game. <laughs> I, and, and Walter Payton, like I said, he's my idol. He's the reason I started yeah. loving the running back position and I wanted to play running back. Um, I wanted to break his single single game record that day, but I cramped up and I yeah. couldn't finish the game. So that's my one big regret. Later on, uh, Corey Dillon broke it, and then uh, now right. uh, Adrian Peterson owns it. But, yeah, that was my one opportunity that I kind of crapped on. But, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, but you had a good time. You had a good time. So, really. I had a great, I mean, I had a great time. I had an amazing time. <laughs> All right, why don't we take our final break? We come back. I got some really interesting questions about the future for Fred Taylor. Stay with us. We're coming back on Half Forgotten History. Hey, if you're planning to place a bet this NFL Sunday, let's get you caught up with everything you need to know with Trey's Trends, presented by Caesar Sportsbook. Look, with all the additions and changes in the offseason, we thought that the AFC West was going to be this juggernaut of you know, heavyweights punching it out. Turns out there's one heavyweight. It's the Kansas City Chiefs. They just finished dismantling a Tampa Bay Bucks team that through the first three games had given up a grand total of 27 points. The Chiefs hung 28 on them in the first half. Look, the Chiefs-Raiders rivalry is one of the best in football, but it's been decidedly one-sided since Andy Reid showed up. In his career as a Kansas City Chiefs head coach, Andy Reid is 15-3 straight up and 12-6 against the spread when playing the Raiders. Making matters worse... The Chiefs still employ Patrick Mahomes as quarterback. In AFC West games, he's 22-3 straight up and 14-10-1 against the spread. Perspective now, that 22-3 straight up record is the best record for any quarterback in his first 25 divisional games since the AFL-NFL merger of 1970. Download the Caesar Sportsbook app today to make your bets and to find more of Trey's trends. It's real simple. Follow at Caesar Sports on social. Must be 21 or over, 19 or over, Ontario. Must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ontario, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, or Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, Utah, and other states where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problems? Well, in Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, West Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. For Maryland, visit MD gamblinghelp.org. West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino. Call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harrison Orleans. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Ontario, visit connectsontario.ca or call 1-866-531-2600 or text CONNECT to 247247. Tennessee, call or text TN Redline at 1-800-888 and time for the answer to our Mercedes-Benz trivia question. There are eight teams whose leading rusher has a higher total overall than Jacksonville Jaguars leading rusher Fred Taylor's 11,695. Here are the eight. 
obviously the Cowboys with Evan Smith, the all-time leading rusher in NFL history, the Bears with Walter Payton, the Lions with Barry Sanders, the Chargers with LaDainian Tomlinson, the Cleveland Browns with Jim Brown, the Steelers with Franco Harris, the Bills with the Thermalator Thurman Thomas, and the Vikings with all day Adrian Peterson. There you have it. And now back to more of this Half Forgotten History episode with the Jags leading rusher, Fred Taylor. Back with Fred Taylor here now on Half Forgotten History. So when you stepped away, you had 42 Jacksonville franchise records. As you said, uh, you ran for over 11,000 yards, almost uh, what, five yards shy of 11,700, loved down 695. Why isn't Fred Taylor getting more con- uh, consideration for the Hall of Fame? Um, somehow I knew that conversation would come up. Uh, you know, I, I can I can fault a lot of things, man. Uh, but I, I think um, one, I don't have a vote, so uh, I guess let's yeah. start there. But I played in a market where, you know, um, it wasn't a great media market in Jacksonville unless you were winning. Um, timing, I, I always go back to timing. Uh, there were times when. Um, I had great seasons. Some guys had better seasons. So that didn't allow for me to make it to certain Pro Bowls. I think, one, the Pro Bowl is a joke. Um, because as a rookie, let's just start with my rookie year, Trey. Um, look at yeah. Randy Moss, who was in 98, and uh, Peyton Manning, who was also in the class of 98. Uh, and you look at the, guy that were, the guys that were the rookie of the year candidates. Uh, I still like to believe I had a better rookie campaign than Moss. I had more touchdowns, more yards, what have you. Moss had two great games. Uh, the Green Bay game, he went One crazy. against the Cowboys. And, and the, the game Cowboys against the Cowboys game. on Thanksgiving. Those, two, those yeah. two games against those great franchises solidify his spot as rookie of the year. That's my opinion. Uh, so start there. And then I had, a better, I had better numbers than Eddie George who I believe was the last guy that they, that was a shoe in for the pro bowl that year. Um, so they tend to, the way the league worked then was they tend to continue to take the veteran guys that had already been to Hawaii for the pro bowl. Unless you were a rookie that came in and just went lights out and completely just killed it versus those guys. You weren't a guy that they were going to take. Uh, uh, the fan votes, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but, and that's part of, I, I think it starts there. Um, I think the Pro Bowl, I mean, not, excuse me. I think the, the Hall of Fame conversation had increased over the last couple of years. And I think that in due time that someday I will be in Canton. I like to always say delayed, not denied, uh, but that day will come and it will find itself. Uh, but to still be in the conversation is good. Um, I like to make an argument that when I retired, my numbers were better than 16 of the guys that were currently in the Hall of Fame as running backs. Yep. Uh, so I think yep. that's a valid argument in itself. Um, the comparison with Barry, uh, guys with a minimum of 2,500 carries with an average of 4.6 4. per carry, I think that has some, some weight in it. Uh, if you look at now, considering Tony's a Hall of Famer, my career was better statistically after Baselli left Jacksonville um, when you really weigh things out. 
uh, in, in about the same amount of games. I'm talking about per average carry, per yards per game. And, and I had to carry a huger, a larger percentage of the offense once, you know, Bo left and once we had those losing seasons, it was me that they looked to, uh, to, to, to run the team through and the offense through. So I had a lot more, you know, responsibilities and weight, but I still put up numbers. Uh, so yeah. if Canton happens, you know, while I'm alive, that's going to be amazing. Um, if it doesn't happen while I'm alive, I pray and hope that my children and my family are able to, um, you know, enjoy the induction. But I still believe that someday it will happen. Uh, that thing will take its own course. Yeah, well, the numbers are there. By the way, you, you guys had, you had, in 98, you had the same number of touchdowns as Moss. He had 17. You had 14 rushing, three receiving, but you did have more yards. You absolutely right. had more total yards than, than right. Randy Moss that year. So wh where do you want this pivot thing to go, right? What, what's what's your plan, or do you have a plan for how this thing is going to shape out? Because it's kind of becoming a, a thing. You know, what, what I said to um, a few days ago with Ryan and Chan is, one, I just want us to be – as consistent and as authentic as we were when we started it. I want us to be yeah. that way when we're, you know, two or three, five years down the road. You know, uh, I want it to be the exact same. I want it to be a safe place and a trustworthy place for any guests that we have as players, you know, celebrities, actors, actresses, you know, whomever, uh, politicians, you know, however it t continues to grow. Uh, I want everybody to understand that at some point in life, you're going to have to make, be faced with decisions that's going to force you to pivot. And really that's, um, you know, that's the basis of it. These life changing stories that we're able to tell and allow for greater insight and um, for the viewer to feel like they're in there with us. So from a uh, format standpoint, you know, I just wanted to just be a, just open, short content dialogue where we just have an amazing conversation. For the long run, consistency, well, it, authentic, yeah. authenticity, all that great stuff. And I and I think we'll be, I think we're good on it. Because we have, I have two real co-hosts yeah. with me. Ryan is great, Channing is great, and uh, we have a great team around us. And we just have fun with it. That's that's what it boils down to. Yeah. Well, that, that's the easy part. You can tell that you guys have a great chemistry together and, and it really works. And that's what makes it fun. So listen, uh, I appreciate the time. Uh, I know you're running around doing a bunch of stuff. And uh, if not in the Hall of Fame right now, you're definitely in the hungover Hall of Fame for the 200-yard game <laughs> against the Steelers. And that counts. That counts. Okay? Don't think it doesn't. I keep a red cup somewhere close by, too, every now and then. <laughs> hey what do you know there you go cheers my about. friend i appreciate you trey thanks for having me man appreciate it you got it brother so once again thanks to fred for joining us and again kids don't ever think you can't do something when you're hungover fred taylor is the gift we needed he walked so we could fly speaking of flying next week's guest made a living out of doing that in the nfl he was a big play every time he touched the football and also had some really interesting things happen after he touched the football. Longtime NFL wide receiver Deshaun Jackson joins us next week on Half Forgotten History. We'll see you then. Yeah.